All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help you understand why he screams at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at SportsGalPal, and make sure to check out SportsGalPal.com. So what did I learn this week? The importance of sports in business. In my professional life, my knowledge of sports has come in really handy, most recently at my 9-to-5 job, because during the interview, the CEO of my company actually noticed the school I graduated from and mentioned that he went to a rival school. He actually played football for the University of Miami. In my school, the University of Virginia, for the past couple of years, has been able to beat them in football, which is really surprising because UVA isn't strong in that sport. The University of Miami lost their final game in the original Orange Bowl to the University of Virginia 48-0 in front of a live ESPN audience. This was the most lopsided home shutout lost in in Miami's history. And my CEO was there on field with many other former players, and they just couldn't believe it. During the time he was speaking to me about this, he kept adding in the past few years of wins for UVA. And he looked me in the eye and he said, I don't understand it. I I just don't understand it. How are you guys able to beat us? Can you explain? And in that moment, I thanked the sports gods everywhere because I knew exactly what to say. And I took a breath and I said, sir, to be perfectly honest with you, none of us understand it either. He laughed so loud that I found out later the other applicant could hear him. And the other vice president and my actual boss, the director of marketing for my company, they both took a big, deep breath of relief. It was, we spent another 20 minutes really talking about sports. And I don't know if that got me the job, but it certainly didn't hurt. Understanding what is going on in sports gives me a space to talk to my male coworkers and superiors in a way that non-sports fans don't get. I have a vice president who went to North Carolina. He and I frequently talk about ACC. I have another manager who's a big Virginia Tech fan. And trust me, he doesn't let me forget all at all about our football losses. But then I rub it in that our basketball team is pretty awesome. Oh, and we have 22 national championships where they have zero. Sorry, had to put it in. Talking sports with these guys gives me the opportunity to have conversations that otherwise wouldn't happen. And it gives me just a little bit more space at the big boys table. So how do you learn more about sports? Well, start with your sports gal pal. Go ahead and start reading my blog. I know it's a shameless plug, but I really do give great tips about the bigger sports stories currently on the radar. Also, SportsCenter really is nothing but a big highlight reel. So if you catch a couple minutes of that, I guarantee you that's where the, the guys at your company are getting their information as well. The big thing to remember is that if you offer an opinion about a sports-related topic, you need to be able to back it with facts and stats. That's the whole nature of sports fan and sports debate is that it doesn't matter what side of the issue you're on. As long as you've got some stats to back you up, there's really nothing they can say. Find an area you have common with your male coworkers. It doesn't necessarily have to be sports. Maybe they're all into DC comics or maybe they're into tools. I don't know. Figure out ways that you can speak to them 
as coworkers and colleagues outside of what you talk about at work. Instead, find different ways. For me, it's sports. And not every person in my company, male or female, is a big sports fan. So there are times I have to talk about other things. But my knowledge of sports, specifically of ACC sports, has been really helpful in getting me to be known more for just my job, but me as an entire person. I just want you to have enough information so that you're able to give an intelligent opinion when the need arrives. Mandy Antonacci is just an impressive woman because she takes what she is passionate about, which is leadership and business, and she has connected it with sports. She was an absolute delight to interview, and she offers great insight as an Inc. columnist, um, a sports enthusiast, and she was also a former collegiate athlete. So Mandy really understands thought leadership and the inspiration that connects entrepreneurs and sports fans on the business of sports for social good in her column, Change Up, which you can find on eekmagazine.com. Her content is featured actually as curriculum and entrepreneurship programs in the fields of sports and business at universities and colleges nationwide. And as an entrepreneur, Mandy is the creator and partner for several social enterprise ventures that are for, for profit and for social good. I just found her absolutely charming and she has a great sports story. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Welcome to the Sports Gal Pal, Mandy. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on. You've been an athlete pretty much since the time you were little, correct? Yes, I have. (laughs) I actually started playing. uh, I played softball, I played tennis, and I played basketball. But softball was really the sport that I concentrated on uh, throughout, basically throughout high school and also as a collegiate athlete as well. And how did you get into sports? You know, I grew up uh, in a small town in Pennsylvania, and I grew up in a home with you know, two older brothers who were both, you know, very much involved in sports. My parents were both athletes, and, you know, I also had a grandfather who truly made the sound of a baseball game through a radio romantic. So I think I just grew up in a strong sports culture and in that environment, uh, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Pretty your Steelers fan. I am a Steelers fan, so I have this, uh, I grew up in a Steeler household, so um, myself and my family were all Steeler fans, and my nieces and nephews, everybody just basically, I think, was born into uh, the Steeler fanhood for sure. Oddly enough, where I grew up in Pennsylvania, it's two hours from New York City and two hours from Philadelphia, so you can gravitate to either direction, uh, especially for baseball, so I I live in New York City now, I'm a, a Yankee fan as well. And for NBA, it's an oddity. I, I follow the Lakers. So I guess, you know, looking at Yankees, Steelers, and Lakers, clearly I like winners. <laughs> but you know what? I actually, I love studying um, coaches. So truly a lot of my fanhood and the spirit for a team that I cheer for and that I follow really comes from the coaching and the leadership that I'm inspired by. And how I actually became a Lakers fan was really through Phil Jackson uh, as a, you know, former coach of the Chicago Bulls during the Michael Jordan era and also a former coach of the Lakers during the Kobe Bryant championship era. So I have read all of his books. I study his the tutelage of his coaching and his Zen philosophy to leadership. And, and I think it's because of sort of his practice that caused me to gravitate to the Lakers. And, you know, they win. (laughs) It's no fun cheering for a losing team. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, I am a graduate of the University of Virginia, and basketball is great. Football, not so much. I completely understand. So, yeah, and even, um, you know, with the Lakers kind of in transition this year, you know, they didn't have the best year, let's be honest. No. 
No. But no, it's very true, and yet I still enjoy watching them. It's difficult being on the East Coast and being a Lakers fan. There's a lot of people who will say that, too, because of the time difference. So you really have to be a fan in order to stay up for the start of a game. You know, that's 10, 11 o'clock at times. So, um, but I, I still do enjoy watching them, uh, definitely for sure. You know, it's interesting that you say football not so much. I think that actually happens frequently with women. And I must confess that football was probably the sport that took me a while to grow into. And I think, quite frankly, it's just because women don't play football, right? So it was very difficult for me to relate to football because I haven't played the game. I remember watching it when I was younger, and I just thought, what's going on here? You know, there's too many rules. There's too many flags. There's guys, and they crunch, and they get up, and they crunch again. You know, there, there wasn't much of a passing game. Sometimes there is, but it's too sporadic, and there's too many rules. Right, But I think if you played it, you really understand it. I played basketball. I get it. I played softball. I get baseball. Football took me a little bit to gravitate to, but I'm glad I finally made the, made the, uh, the, uh, the change. Yeah, definitely. And now you um, mentioned that the fact that you really like coaches, particularly Phil Jackson, because of their leadership and the mm-hmm. lessons they provide. One of the things that you've done is you've parlayed that into a project with Inc. Magazine, your regular column, Change Up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, love to. So basically the the title of my column, I'm a columnist at Inc., the title of my column is called Change Up, and it's really um, about, I look more at sports and teams as a business, which a lot of people don't do, and I think if you are a fan, you know, truly when you're a fan, uh, the strength of your passion comes from a very emotional place, but if you extract that and you actually look at it, many people don't look through the lens of a team as a business of a, you know, players as employees and as a league, NFL, NBA, MLB, they are business operations first. I mean, we actually have, you know, the Green Bay Packers, which is pretty interesting, where they're the only fan-owned team in all of North America's four traditional major leagues that's actually a community-based corporation. So it's actually a fan-owned team. So it's just interesting when you kind of look at the dynamic of, the sport of the game of a team as a business. And that's one of the things that I do in my column for Inc. Um, But what I do is I write about the business of sports uh, and really look at it through the lens of people uh, such as teams, coaches, owners, players, entrepreneurs in the business of sports that stand for positive change and those who are really single-handedly rewriting history. And there's so many lessons not only in business but in life that come from sports, and that's really what I write about, is really people, teams, leagues that are changing things up and represent the good in the game. I discovered you right when you had um, written, the, wrote the article right after the Masters, and I, oh, thought yeah. it was very, yeah, I thought it was very interesting how you talked about how cool and confident, you know, this really, he's really young, um, um, who won. I mean, it's incredible when you think about how young and how the majority of us at 22 probably couldn't handle the pressure he was under. I thought that was really interesting. No, you know, it's so true, and it's interesting you bring up the age of some of the players, and I think it's very true of Jordan Spieth, but also, you know, one of the articles I wrote was, you know, a different spin on the ESPN 30 for 30 film that came out that was called I Hate Christian Leitner. And Christian Leitner, you know, played for Duke, obviously is an NBA veteran, and he is the most hated, still to this day, the most hated athlete in sports, certainly in college sports. And, you know, if you look back at the time in which he played, he was a college student. So one of the things that really admired, uh, that, that I was 
found to be so admirable about him is how he handled such adversity at such a young age. I mean, imagine being a college student and walking into an arena where you have generations of people, thousands of people who are wearing a t-shirt with your name on it that actually says, I hate before it, you know, and the chance and that and just the, the overall negativity and the hatred he felt, um, but was able to shield that as a college student and actually perform the way he did is quite remarkable. So I think the age of these players is really something that is a complete omission because you're coming from such an emotional place as a fan. Yeah, that's so true. And I also think that he was so fortunate to have, you know, again, I don't personally like Duke basketball because of who I went to school with, um, you know, we're <laughs> rivals in the ACC, but you can't help but admire the program and the consistency of Coach K and what he's built. And I think that that helped that so much. Oh, he's an absolute remarkable leader, remarkable, remarkable leader. And truly, um, you know, sports produces the world's most iconic, inspirational and influential leaders and organizations in my mind. Um, and he is truly one person who embodies all of those things. And, and I do feel strongly that that's indisputable. I think if you extract your fanhood from it, you know, truthfully, and just look at him objectively as a coach and as a leader, you know, those points are indisputable. Oh, absolutely. Now, it's interesting that you talk about taking the emotion out of the sport experience because it is such a passionate experience, especially when you're live, you know, in the trenches, in the stands of other fans. And it's really, I find it cathartic to be screaming and chanting and jumping up and down and doing all the crazy things we do. But particularly female fans, we automatically bring in so much more emotion often than men do. Um, I find it interesting that you're able to look at it from an outside perspective in this kind of business. So you're basically taking two very male worlds, business and sports, and combining them. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. I think, you know, for me, it's funny. I often say that I'm, you know, the girliest guy you'll ever meet. And you'll see, <laughs> Ramona, if, you know, if and when we meet, and we will, um, truly, I, I – pride myself on knowing more about sports than the average guy, but even, you know, when I played, whenever we put our hands together for break, you know, all the gals on my team would want my hand on top because I always had the perfect manicure and I had the longest ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) But I still, you know... You know, played you know the sport in a way that you know was was exemplary. So I think um, so. It, it is really interesting. Um, I do have the ability to look objectively at it, and I just think you know it's really just uh, just taking a different perspective, quite honestly. Um, and that's you know that's a lot of what I write about as well is really having perspective when watching the game, when looking at a team, when looking at uh, you know an organization, a player, whatever it might be, looking objectively and and just really um, being able to have a, a different perspective of it, for sure. I think, you know, it's funny because you mentioned passion. Uh, women as a gender are the most passionate gender that exists, and nothing exudes, I think, passion more than fanhood, truthfully. And uh, I, I love the fact in the spirit of, you know, your, your podcast as a whole is really to garner more female fans. So it's, it's really just that connection, I think, that needs to be made and platforms like this one, you know, to give women perhaps more acceptance and, and experience as fans. Yeah, I find still, I cannot tell you how many times I'm at a sports bar or um, at a tailgate or even, you know, out and about and I'm wearing a jersey or I'm wearing something related to a team that I follow. And men particularly will ask me, 
was it my husband's team? Um, you know, do you know anything about sports? Are you just wearing the shirt? And I'm just like baffled going, are you kidding me? I can quote ESPN too, uh, you know, and ESPN regular <laughs> and Ocho, whichever one you want to pick. So yeah. Do you find that still in this day and age that fem- the female fan that actually knows what she's talking about is kind of like a unicorn? I think it's, I do. Yes. And I think it's, it's changing for sure. Um, but but I do. Um, I think one of the things that excites me, I think, is a lot of the cultural shifts that sports actually creates, right? So I think there's an attachment and a cultural shift that it creates and just a human bond that connects fans. I mean, you have people from disparate walks of life who will high-five, uh, you know, when they're wearing the same jersey, when they're, you know, sitting in the bleachers that wouldn't even give one another the time of day when they're walking down the street. So there's an attachment, a human bond that happens. I think there's a cultural shift that sports is creating in technologies that's really increasing fan engagement, right? So I think there was this place where people would go to live sporting events, and then there was a shift where big screen TVs and surround sound and, you know, all of the comforts of home gave you this magnanimous, you know, viewing experience on your couch. So why bother? And ticket sales started dropping. Now I think people are shifting from the couch back into the stadium, and it's because of advancement in technologies like social media um, that's really, and, and mobile, quite frankly, that's really creating a higher level of engagement with fans. I think there's cultural shifts in ecological stewardship that's happening um, with, you know, just teams and and, uh, arenas that are, you know, being more eco-friendly, and those are big entities and big organizations. And then there's also, you know, interracial gender equality progression that's going on, so really getting back to that shift from, you know, is that your husband's jersey comment, right? I think there's gender equality, and we'll start to see that happen a little bit more, especially as you see the first female uh, NFL referee, there's the first female NBA assistant coach for the Spurs, you know. And then I think there's a moral cultural shift that's going on, especially with things that are breaking with the NFL, right? So domestic violence and so much visibility to that that has occurred, you know, just recently and in this past fall. So I think all of those things really expose sports and cause a cultural shift in the business of sports as a whole. I do think all of the progression of all of those things is really going to help build and broaden a fan base, and we're going to start to see a blend of gender for sure. I think, um, you know what, there also seems to be collegiate sports has a higher percentage of women than professional sports, and it's easier to root for a team where you represent the alma mater, right? You have a a yeah, personal absolutely. emotional connection to it. I think professionals still have some work to do, and probably that's a big difference when you look at gender skews. Yeah, even just attending the difference between a collegiate game versus a pro game, you know, I always often tell people, I'll never forget, we, uh, my husband and I invited his best friend, who's um, a UNC fan, to a UVA-UNC game, and he brought his wife, and they had gone to professional basketball games before, and she goes, this is so different because the kids are crazy and everybody's chanting, and, you know, it really is um, light and day. I always tell people, you know, if you really want the true fan experience, either go to a World Cup game or go to some collegiate um, craziness, uh, basketball arena or football arena, and you will see the nuttiest things. Uh, But it's also really fun, and when you know what's going on, it's very culturally interesting. Um, You know, I completely agree. Yeah. Oh, a college game, especially a playoff game, or it's electric. Yeah, just look at the difference between, you know, what's going on with the NBA Finals versus a regular game. Um, You know, just – 
last night it was the Wizards and um, Hawks and just the craziness of the Hawks crowd during a regular season game. Yeah, they're going to cheer, but not like that. No, it's so true. I can't believe all these buzzer beaters we're seeing game after game. I feel like the ending is just this clutch ending. I mean, really, you know, I wrote an article uh, about Cinderella stories uh, that are happening in NCAA during the, you know, during March Madness and everything. I feel like we're seeing that in NBA, you know. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of Cinderella this last tournament season. It was kind of chalk. Um <laughs> You know, well, again, for my listeners who don't know, that means that the the favorites typically won, except for Virginia. I don't want to talk about it. I'm still bitter. Um, but, yeah, well, I just, uh, no, it's hard. It hurts my heart still. I went through a grieving process. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed. I couldn't watch the rest of the tournament. I'm that fan when it comes to. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's, it's I'm kind of ashamed about it. I'm, I'm working through this, uh, through this process, but I'll be okay. Baby um, steps so, on a baby step. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, you know, when you're so into a team and, you know, one of your teams that's actually, I think, surprising a lot of people, though it shouldn't, are the Yankees and really A-Rod's performance. Now, he took a year off. He didn't want to. (laughs) Um, I think the year off helped him a lot. You know, uh, it may have. (laughs) Um, You know, I think if anything, I don't know if it was the actual length of time that helped him or if it was the actual exposure that helped him and in a way where, you know, so much of this is such a mental game, um, and I think it was a little bit more about perhaps the the mental shift that happened with him during that time off because he was forced to exercise a level of humility that just quite frankly didn't exist. So I think it was a little bit more about what that time off represented than the physic, you know, the physical time itself. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I, I think that's absolutely true. And also, you know, there's a little more room on that Yankee roster with, you know, Derek Jeter having retired. So it's going to be interesting to watch the season and see how it progresses because I, I really think that, you know, those of us who follow baseball and particularly the Yankees, I, I was just kind of brushing him off going, you know, he's older and, you know, he's not juicing anymore supposedly. So what's he going to do? And he's really surprised me. Um, yeah, you know, for sure. Your- you know, it's funny. I went to um, I, ha- I went to a few games already for uh, Yankees this season, and I was at opening day, and it was the most beautiful day. It was just one of those, you know, days in terms of weather that was just a gift that we didn't have for quite some time. And uh, as I was there, I'm looking, other than maybe, you know, three people, thinking, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, I yeah, don't know. No anymore what's happened to the team and you know they they certainly didn't kick things off well in the beginning of the year and now just to see them building is just really uh it's really fun and really remarkable uh about you know what the you know what they've done so far we're very early clearly it's only may but um you know early in the season but uh but you know but we're hopeful and at least they're off to a really interesting start for sure oh absolutely Absolutely. So we've talked about, you know, female fans and their growth. What kind of advice can you offer to women who maybe, you know, want to become better fans in general? Yeah, I would say, you know, hands down, and we touched on it a little bit, go to a live game. Um, I think more often than not, female females who aren't engaged in sports have a preconceived notion of the game because of you know, something that they viewed reluctantly in their home and someone else's and just experiencing it remotely on the couch. Uh, And I I would say go to a game. Go to a live game. If you can get to a championship or playoff game, that would be awesome, right? That's the best way to start. 
Uh, oh, I will. Yeah. It's only downhill from there, but you know, there's no way to <laughs> seize uh, and I think convert a fan than going to a playoff game. But I would just say, quite frankly, go to a live game and and don't just look at it from the perspective of the game. Look around and observe just the human behavior. You know, don't look in isolation at a team, at a player, at a coach, at an opposing team. Just look around at the camaraderie, at the, you know, just the, the human bond that's created through fanhood, uh, and just experience it. You know, it's just it's a very emotional, very fun experience. Um, and it's just a, a culture that's created that you can be part of for sure. But I would say, you know, first start, just get to a live game. Yeah, I agree. And don't, you know, if you're in an area that doesn't have a professional team or even a big college, there are great AAA baseball parks, minor league um, basketball games that you'll still experience a lot of this um, fandom. So don't, you know, limit yourself. Oh, I don't live near, you know, the Yankees. That's okay. Because, um, you know, I live in an area that doesn't have a professional level team, but we do have a lot of like the triple A affiliates. And those are great places and less expensive to go to, to take a family. Less expensive for sure. You know, in my hometown in Pennsylvania, the um, minor league team for the Yankees is actually there. So when I'm back home visiting family, my nieces and nephews, we, we go to those games and they're so fun. And what else is fun too, is to see those players graduate to the majors. So then all of a sudden, those who you were getting autographs of who are in your own backyard, you're seeing them on the big screen. You're seeing them in the majors. And that happens overnight. And that's really fun to watch. Yeah, baseball is really great. Their minor league system, um, you know, I, I bet you a lot of other sports leagues are kind of, and the NBA is trying to do that with the D League, but. You know, that minor league system of theirs is just fantastic for getting great talent and in front of fans um, even more so. Um, you know, the um, minor league team for the Orioles is in my hometown, and um, it, you're right. It's absolutely fun to watch those guys get called out to the big leagues, and all of a yeah. sudden this guy, you know, that you could run into at the grocery store <laughs> suddenly <laughs> is playing, you know, in Canton Yards. It, it's pretty awesome. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're also launching um, – in a new online platform. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. So basically, it's a derivative of my columns. So it's leveraging the beauty and the power of change-up. So it's, a, it's, again, a platform that will inspire people through the business of sports and through interviews. So there's video content uh, of players and owners and coaches and also entrepreneurs who specifically are in the field of sports business, again, who stand for that positive change and those who are really game changers and they're upsetting the status quo and, you know, really single-handedly rewriting their history. So this is something that uh, I'm launching this summer and it's going to be a, a platform that shares the same name as my column, Change Up. You can find Mandy through her ink column online and also through her social platforms. All the links are going to be on the show notes on blogtalkradio.com slash sportsgalpal and of course on sportsgalpal.com. We had a little bit of technical difficulties towards the end so she couldn't give you that information but I do have to tell you that she was on her way to visit the Carolina Panthers to interview a couple of the personnel including the coach so definitely she's well worth the follow on Twitter and her columns are great. Again, Manny Antonacci, thank you so much for being the first official guest on Sports Gal Pal. So our question of the week comes from a woman named Cheryl and she writes, Ramon Every football season, my husband and I have a great dilemma. All he wants to do is watch football, and I do not. He has even gotten really angry when I have scheduled gatherings or parties on Saturday afternoons in the fall. I don't really see the issue, but he then says I don't appreciate the things he cares about. What do I do? 
You know, I think this is a really common problem when you have a non-sports fan and a sports fan in a partnership like this. So he obviously is a college football fan. And what you need to do is a couple of things. First is I always say, take a look at the schedule now. We're in June. Take a look at it now and find out which games are the big ones for that team. You know, what are the rivalries, the inter-conference um, ones? And maybe, you know, if you schedule to be able to be watch those games, he'll skip some of the cupcakes or maybe the weaker teams that aren't as interesting to him. The other thing I'm going to suggest is tie in family gatherings around the game. I'm sure there are other families in your area who would love to watch these games together. You know, sports is a real community event, so invite the community. Invite your friends over. Maybe you and the wives can, you know, go do something else, or the kids can play in the back while, you know, all the football fans watch the game. It's a win-win for everybody. And then three, you know, offer to watch the game with him and then ask him questions about the game, just not during the game. Wait for, like, commercials, halftime, you know, show an interest in what he's interested in. I think you'll be really pleasantly surprised about his reaction. I think he'll be really excited. I'd love to hear your feedback if you use any of these tactics to see if they work for you. If you've got a question about sports or how to handle the sports fan in your life, or you want to know more about a specific aspect of sports, let me know. You can send an email to Ramona at sportsgalpal.com, and it could be answered on the air. I want to thank all y'all for joining me today. And remember... Don't hate the game. Just try to understand why he loves it so much. To keep up with Gal Pal Nation, make sure you follow me on at Sports Gal Pal, or you can like the Sports Gal Pal Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out SportsGalPal.com.